0: following episode of days of thunder is brought to you as part of the pwom podcast network subscribe to pwom now to enjoy other fine podcasts talking wrestling of the past the present and much much more let's start the show Hey there, Thunder buddies and travellers down Thunder Road. It's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to you as part of the PWOM Podcast Network. I'm your host, your paralegal on Thunder Road this week, Dave Ryan, and I'm joined by my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how are you? I'm a bit bemused. Why are you paralegal this week? I I find myself... I've had a day where, like... Everything I've tried to listen to involves uh, people talking about lawsuits. So we'll talk about um, we'll talk about uh, how legal proceedings uh, interweave with things that happen on Thunder later on in the program. Mm-hmm. But uh, just before we went to come on here, I, I went to listen to a podcast I, I-, I really enjoy uh, called Laser Time, where they just pick like a pop culture topic every week and they just talk about it for an hour and 90 minutes, all the research they did on this particular topic and you know after having kind of uh, looked back into the the legal wranglings that are referred to on this show i was like oh yeah no i'll just relax with this podcast and the theme of the podcast this week was uh, fictional characters tied up in lawsuits <laughs> okay, <laughs> is things like how you know um this 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 is like content exclusively for our good pal jeff of strong style story the whole um legal wrangling over there being a captain marvel at dc and a captain marvel at marvel as well um and how like that it's it's like a legal dispute has been going on for literal decades at this point it was only kind of settled a couple of years ago um With kind of you, you would probably know the DC Captain Marvel better as Shazam. Okay, I didn't realize he was Captain Marvel. Yeah. So there was like a Captain Marvel that existed, on an like a comic brand that was completely separate from Marvel and DC. And then I think it was DC bought the rights to it. But then, when Marvel Comics formed, they wanted the Captain Marvel, and it's a whole absolute fucking mess. Um. And it's just funny that, like, the legal dispute ended, but then the Captain Marvel and Shazam movies came out, like, within a couple of months of each other last year. Which makes total sense when you think about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it's just, like, uh, legal stuff was uh, was just in my, my head this week. But uh, the other thing that's in my head is um, the son, Lee... It's unseasonably warm this week in Ireland. We were chuckling away at our, our UK friends last week who were melting in a heatwave, and boy, has it come back to bite us in the arse. It is
1: so warm in this room, and I'm only <laughs> in here about 10 minutes,
0: and I already yeah. hate this fucking show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, I closed the... I was telling Lee off the air. I closed the window, like, uh, maybe a minute mm-hmm. Before we hit record, and I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> I can already feel the heat mounting." Mm. Um. So yeah, we're we're in trouble on this program. So if we get a bit a bit punchy an hour in, it's not just because of the booze <laughs> this time. It's just mild heat stroke as well. <laughs> um, there was a some interesting WCW related news, uh, this week. Lee, uh, last week on Dynamite, we had uh, the return to. Turner broadcasting of one Eric Bischoff um who was the the guest moderator the worst kept secret for that whole week yeah. uh, on wrestling twitter he was the guest moderator for the uh Jericho Orange Cassidy debate uh what did you think of uh getting to see E back on TNT it was kind of surreal wasn't it it was but <sighs> I don't know. Maybe maybe it's this
1: show who's just giving me a soft spot for Eric. I always liked Eric. Mm. You know, it's just yeah, you know, it's fine. Like he you can't believe a word out of his mouth, but like you know, no, it it's fine. He was did his job, and you know, him and Jericho played off each other very well. I thought,
0: but I don't, I don't yeah. want, I don't want to see him regularly on TV. No, and by all accounts, it seems to be a one and done sort mm-hmm. of thing. It's what people are saying. But um yeah no I I'd go along with you there. I I would say that um like Eric Bischoff the character is one of my all-time favorite wrestling characters. Oh him him as Raw um, GM was like ah uh, great quality. Yeah. You, you, He's the like in that kind of uh post invasion era the the kind of modern WWE when all the competition was gone. He was, I, I can't think of an on-screen authority figure that was better than him. You weren't a big fan of Tiffany on ECW? I was not. <laughs> um, I'm trying Funny to think enough. who else. Palmer Cannon on SmackDown? Palmer Cannon. I, like, of course we've got like <laughs> um, Teddy Long as well and Steph on, on SmackDown. Brad, um, Brad Maddox. What I suppose one of the uh, w- one of the underrated ones was um, was Kurt Angle uh, yep. when he was like going insane in a wheelchair. That was a very good run. Um, Heyman, Heyman yeah. was, was decent enough, I thought, as SmackDown general yeah. manager. Yeah, in the latter kind of SmackDown Six era. Um, yeah, but I, I don't think any of them really hold a candle no. to Bischoff in terms of, like, that, that heel authority figure. Uh, and it's something that we've remarked on time and time again. Like, he's just a, such a smarmy prick. Uh, he's perfect for the role. You just don't want him writing uh, the TV itself. No, or handling the money um in any way whatsoever it, you know it's has kind got of like it, it's similar to the way you know people say about um hayman it's like let Heyman do the creative stuff but don't let him anywhere near the the, the books, the, the, the books. Yeah. yeah uh with bischoff it's like let him near the camera but don't let him near a script don't let him near money just have him as an on-screen character but for this one and done i thought he was great and like you said playing off jericho uh jericho has a line in there about oh, i've hated you for 22 years and bishop corrects him as oh, 24 years actually <laughs> and i know I did,
1: like the feeling is mutual or something like that yeah and it was a great yeah. little closing line and a good way for him to sign off it huh?
0: yeah and i i think like as far as i i tend to hate a lot of these um spoken word debate segments on uh on wrestling tv they they a lot of them feel very stilted mm-hmm. unless you get the right people but i actually think it, it turned into like a money promo segment well, well dave i will tell you i watched it with
1: connor i actually felt i watched, tried to stay awake last week watching dynamite and i couldn't and i yeah. ended up watching the second half of the show um later the next day with connor and he loved the debate now, obviously, yeah. he's seven and, like, he's not as jaded as we would be. Yeah. But he just thought, like, Orange, like, rattling off the uh, the question about the ice caps and the yeah. sea levels rising and stuff. He, yeah. he just thought that was... He was on his knees laughing. Like, he just thought it was yeah. brilliant.
0: Yeah. That's, that's something I'm actually curious about, you, with, with a young son. Um. And now, obviously, the big dog... Uh, is more kind of uh, well-educated on professional wrestling than, than your average seven-year-old. Mm-hmm. But um, he's feeling the AEW product when he sees it. Oh, he's very into it. Like, he asks, yeah. like, to watch Dynamite every week.
1: And, mm. um, like, because, obviously, we have it on fight, so it's not actually on the TV that he can just turn it on himself. Yeah. I have to put it on myself, like, for him. And um, whereas, like, WWE stuff is recorded to the TV, yeah, he, he won't watch it. You know, like, he'll he say, oh, yeah. I watched... 10 minutes of NXT okay Hmm. why'd you turn it off I don't know whereas it's like Dynamite he will he will stay in the room for two hours and watch and is very into like Cody and Hangman and um, he likes like the inner circle kind of geek Mm. in front of
0: himself you know it's it's interesting to see how, how that's gonna play out because obviously they just launched their toy line and mm-hmm. everything. And that's like their first big play at the very young audience. Trust me, uh, I,
1: I know all about this toy line because I will be trying my fucking damnedest to get some of them by December twenty fifth.
0: Oh yeah. That's yeah. Oh you'll have to you'll have to update us on how that hunt is going over mm. here. I'd be very interested to see how much of it how much stock comes over here. Um I don't know if it will, that's the worry. I, I think it's coming to a lot of the UK retailers, and I think, depending on the retailer, I know the way some Irish retailers work is that they have deals with the UK retailers mm-hmm. to take some of their stock over, so, you know, fingers crossed, but uh, if not, you know, I have, we have connections. I have We'd connections make, in the US, so I'm yeah. hoping that they can source them for me. Yeah, uh, Mr. Tony Khan, obviously. <laughs> on the on the blower to him directly. Well, no, he's my source in the UK, yeah! Oh, yeah! Yeah, he's your source for all the Fulham merch.
1: Joe <laughs> you know That's the best thing about social media in the last two weeks is the, play- the-, the playoffs were on, all the wrestlers and fucking refs and staff wearing
0: Fulham jerseys. Mm. But we'll we'll move on from AW because this, of course, is not boom goes to dynamite. We uh we will we will stick in our lane here and talk about former WCW World Champion David Arquetteley. <sighs> Dave. <laughs> Dave. so so this week I, I'm, I'm sitting up in my chair I upright. just did the same
1: thing I I've got to I'm talk fired about
0: so we all remember uh, last year David Arquette made a brief return to professional wrestling as a match wrestler uh, yes I had heard at the time that he was filming a documentary or, or something I had seen tweets about it didn't think any more of it um, except that sounds cool so the trailer dropped this week, and Lee excitedly texted me about it. Uh, the trailer for, I believe it's called You Cannot Kill David Arquette? Yep, you
1: Can't Kill David Arquette, yeah.
0: So, tell me about this doc. It's basically, he
1: sets out to redeem himself and prove that he isn't the biggest joke of a world champion in the history of wrestling. Yeah. And it basically follows his story
0: from going from being like, how old is he? Is he like 50? Uh, he'd be around that because, like, he must have been around thirty-ish, and he had a, he, all this he had happened. had a heart attack,
1: I think, in two thousand eighteen. Yeah, there, thereabouts, and then he decided, "I'm gonna return to wrestling because sure, why fucking not?" Yeah, and basically, the documentary follows his whole 2018, 2019 into twenty twenty, I believe. Just if David Arquette, you know, it. If David Arquette was booked on a show, I believe the documentary was there. And it just, it yeah. looks like the most fascinating stuff.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Uh, like, it, it really, it, he really is like an interesting guy. Because for a long time, um, I thought he, he kind of, he liked wrestling a lot. But was like a real crazy dude. And the documentary doesn't documentary doesn't convince me he's not crazy in fact it probably reinforces some ways in which he is crazy but what it does give me is i feel better about kind of laughing at the whole thing because he is definitely self-aware oh yeah you know For 100%. he's definitely self-aware of like and you had heard that at the time was that he didn't um he didn't want the belt no and WCW kind of and he was in his contract to do ready to rumble and everything like that, and WCW kind of foisted the thing on it. And who was it? I was reading this because I finished at the WCW rereading it last week. And he actually donated all the money he to got from Brian, WCW. Brian Pillman's family. Yes, and a couple of there was a couple of other people or families that he donated to, but Brian Pillman was the big one. I, uh, got I, Own Heart as well, I think. Maybe it was Own Heart as well. Um
1: I know. Yeah. The, the, the story goes that the night he won the belt Paige was like right nobody in this bar pays for a drink except for you and um, what was the other thing and then I think he just himself made the decision that he wasn't going to take a dime for any of the shows yeah. he did and he donated every single appearance fee and whatever monies he made he donated yeah. to uh, families that had suffered
0: from wrestling deaths and stuff like that yeah Um, fair play to him and like he he does seem very much like even if he doesn't uh, I can't get a read on. and hopefully the documentary will kind of um, enlighten it uh, enlighten me to it but like I don't know how much like wrestling he actually watches himself Um, he seems to be more a fan of the art form if you will than he is like actively kind of uh, tape trading or anything like that back in the day Um, but yeah uh it's coming out is it next month i think it's
1: next month i didn't catch the release date but as soon as it drops yeah. we will watch it 100 percent, we will watch it and talk about it
0: yeah so we're going to not just do like a bit at the top like this oh no we're we're gonna actually do an episode watching this documentary as soon as we can get our hands on it we, we, um, we'll come up we with should... a,
1: fan, a fancy new name for another spin-off of days
0: of thunder yeah, Days of Thunder at the movies. or that, something. Like I was that. just thinking something shitty like that as <laughs> well. Yeah, yeah, something real <laughs> shitty and low energy, just like just like everyone is used to uh, from us. Um, I also wanted to, to draw attention to, I only noticed this started not too long ago, um, before we get into Thunder. You know, we're coming up on Fall Brawl and War Games, um, and there's a, a wrestling podcast out there. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've probably heard of them, because they're, they're much bigger than us. But the lapsed fan... Mm-hmm. Have started a series on war games. Oh, okay. So they're going through every show on which there was a war games. Um, and let me tell you, if you're not used to the laps fan content, uh, you're gonna want to start catching up now. If that sounds appealing to you, because those shows are of a scale that only between the sheets can match. Uh, well, it, I was. Isn't the Brian. thing
1: that they they covered WrestleMania 17 and went like nine hours or something like that?
0: yeah they did they called it the journey where they covered every single Wrestlemania and they do like a half hour segment with Dave Meltzer on it and then like the rest of them is just the two of them going through the show but yeah that like multiple hours there is I'm I'm just I'm throwing it up here on Podcast Addict because there's a couple of them that the the absolute length of them and they're great shows as well this isn't me saying like god don't listen but for example the great american bash 1987 is six hours 57 minutes long For fuck's sake yeah now that is by far the longest of you know there's a couple of them that are less than two hours and there's one that's four one that's three and a half but like you know if if huge in depth coverage of those pay-per-views with like and they are funny as well um are, are sound like something you might be interested in i would check out the laps fan um i had been into them for the journey when they did the wrestlemania shows it was great um and then i dipped back in because they did the trial of his life where they did every single day show by show of the mcmahon steroid trial oh, for fuck um so yeah like absolutely extensive coverage over there at the laps Fan. um but yeah that's all the the, the housekeeping out of the way i i think it's time to uh talk beverages on such a balmy tropical night here in ireland lee uh what have you got in the holster this week for our beers of thunder i've got whiskey dave and lots of it. <laughs> <laughs> what whiskey I, do you have tonight i just
1: have the, the honey jack daniels it's a, a personal favour I've gone through a whole bottle in the last week and a half or two weeks just to myself and uh, I'm now to my second bottle and it is absolutely delicious and I'm nearly finished my first glass just from the heat because I've been sitting <laughs> here sipping away at it
0: so yeah very enjoyable yeah, we were talking before the show about how we like for for this heat we have like a small forest of drinks apiece. Um you've got your whiskies. I've got a massive flask of water, but don't worry, I I do have my beers of thunder. I have not only the usual Jameson ginger and lime that has been a real um Accompaniment on this show consistently throughout the summer, uh, but also this week. And a shout out to our good friend Emma G because this is right up her street. Uh, I have the Sour Susie Berliner Weisse, oh. um, which is a a. I think it's a Swedish sour. Um, I'm trying to see on the back. It's from the Lervig Brewery, Norway. It's Norwegian. Um, so I'm going to have a sip of that now because I haven't tried this. Oh, that's really nice. Oh, that's one of my favourite sours I've had. It's like, it's it's one of those where you detect the sourness. Mm. It's it's nice and it's lemony and citrusy and it, it wakes you up and it's quite refreshing in the heat. And I was, um, I was just going
1: to say on a night like this, that
0: sounds fucking lovely. Yeah, but it's not so much that I've had to like nearly punch the table because I'm in- inhaling my face. It's not melting your face, Yeah 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 now look i'm I, i'm not adverse to those um kind of sours that we've talked on the show before about the white hag brewery do mm-hmm. a couple of inhale your face sours, but uh when i've got to talk for an hour to two hours <laughs> that kind of sour doesn't really jive with uh with the kind of programming we're trying to do here lee um so i give that a strong recommendation um the sour susie that, that's really really nice anyway let's talk thunder this is thunder episode 31 the go-home show for fall brawl and war games dated september 10th 1998 coming to you from lexington kentucky um tony says to open the show Uh, that it is fair to say tempers are at an all-time high going into fall brawl. And I was kind of, Lee, I I don't know if you kind of have have as detailed a memory as I have had of the last couple of go-home shows, but I was sitting in and preparing for the most paint-by-numbers inconsequential we did all our business on nitro and this is just two more hours we have to fill before the pay-per-view kind of thunder but i i don't know how you feel because we haven't actually we try to talk as little about the shows as possible to each other overall and we will get into it i was kind of pleasantly surprised by how much stuff actually happened on this show I I really like this
1: show. <laughs> yeah, like I won't go into specifics, but I I like for a go home show. I was like, yeah, this this works. This is a good go home show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like compared to the last couple of pay per views, where absolutely nothing of consequence seemed to happen on the last thunder, mm-hmm. this was like a whole new world.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was a real blessing. It was like I'm not saying you know, I don't think any matches lasted long enough to be considered good necessarily. Um, We're not saying that you you should go check this out for for all the great matches. But I'll tell you, I finished this Thunder more excited for the pay-per-view than when it started. And that takes some job. uh, That's a rare occurrence, yeah. One because it's a rare occurrence for WCW, usually you get actively less interested the more they talk about the pay-per-view. But also because the two of us know some of the things that happen on this pay-per-view and the idea of making me excited for that is pretty miraculous. <laughs> that that's the always the danger with a rewatch podcast, isn't it? You get excited and then you go, ah oh, fuck. <laughs> I, I yeah, know where and this we're just gonna. Is get- going. Yeah, and uh, we're going to get a lot of that as we, we head towards 1999 because we're starting to, I, I I said this a few weeks ago, like we're starting to get to where I would have started mm-hmm. watching WCW. And I'm going to start remembering things from TV quite soon, I think. Uh, like I think I said the last time we talked about it, I think it's shortly before Jericho disappears from TV where I'm definitely watching them because I just about knew who Jericho was when he showed up. In, in WWF. So I'm going to start to remember TV things. Now, obviously, being a small child in Ireland, I didn't see a lot of the pay-per-views at the time. Um, But yeah, memories are going to start being being yeah. triggered before long here. Uh, Tony says, Tonight we're going to have some of the greatest matches ever, which is, especially in hindsight, overselling it quite dramatically. Um, But I suppose for WCW, who had often accidentally undersell things um, at least they're trying <laughs> at least they're trying and they do that god there's some real real hard sells we'll talk about on this show uh they point out that goldberg is here which is kind of a surprise because he is uh is not been showing up regularly to thunder sadly in, in the last while um piper is here nwo hollywood are here we've got lex versus davey boy we've got nash versus stevie in the main event uh, Brain kicks off the show by uh, teasing that there are major problems, dissension in NWO Hollywood, and he doesn't know if Hogan's pocketbook personality or Bischoff's corporate mentality keep them together. So, like, Lee, stop me if you've heard this one before drama in the NWO.
1: It's a recurring theme, isn't it? It, it, it never seems to go away. Um,. But yeah, this time it's Bret Hart. They wanted to kick Bret off the NWO Hollywood team and J.J. Dillon wouldn't let them. That's like, ooh, drama.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's really, it's kind of like the way the WWF from this period to the present day was like, when in doubt you hit the big button that says bring the McMahons back to television. Mm -hmm. So it's like, when we're running out of ideas we need to do like uh, NWO infighting because everybody loves them. Um... So yeah, I, I did like uh, Brain's turn of phrase as well, the Hogan's pocketbook personality I, I enjoyed. Um but I think especially in recent weeks, I, I, I think I'm starting to appreciate more these opening little bits from the commentary. It's not it's not because, it's a nice bit of scene setting. It like sets you up for the night. And I feel it's something that that's sorely missing from a lot of television now mm-hmm. i think AEW does a decent job of it and it's no coincidence that tony Schiavone is involved there as well um but i feel like very occasionally i will lose lose the run of myself lose my sense and my reason and tune into an episode of smackdown or raw and i have no fucking idea what's going no. on uh, and we've said it before on the show that you know stan lee had this idea that like every comic book is someone's first comic mm-hmm. book and you want within the first five minutes of the show to be like telling people, these are the things you need to be aware of. And even if it's a little tedious for the people who are listening uh, or watching, who are watching every single show and it's like, we fucking know this. Like, you don't know who is, you know... They're on the overrun from the last show on TBS or changing station and they see all the flashing lights and they want to hear what Tony has to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I appreciate when they set the context, especially when we've had a number of thunders where it feels like four or five shows have happened in a yeah. week that we've missed. Um, they're really keeping us more to reality, I think.
1: John you know who used to do a very good job of doing a rundown was TNA. TNA used to open with a hot X Division match. And then to settle you down, they'd run through the rest of the show. They'd especially do it on pay-per-views. Um, yeah. And they'd run through the rest of the matches. And it'd be like, right, that's a lovely little setup. You come in, huh? And then
0: you're just like, right, this is what else is going to happen. And go. We've grabbed your attention. Yeah. And while we have you, here's what you can look forward exactly. to. Yeah, it's it's very simple, like television pro wrestling booking.
1: And um, I, I did like, actually, I know we always bring them up, but AEW. Like, on the tape show from last week. Just open, 12-man tag, in the ring, no
0: entrances, boom, go. They do that a lot, and, like, it doesn't always pan out, because I think there was, like, what, a six-man or an eight-man a week or two before. The Best Friends
1: one, yeah, it wasn't good.
0: Yeah, but just didn't click. But Mm. this week it did, because it not only had, like all these cool guys doing a load of fucking moves and, you know, really grabbing your attention if you're a casual viewer. But also, they very quickly started explaining the different intricacies that are going on and the, the layers of story that are between all the people in the match. Um, But, um... We'll, we'll move on anyway, and uh, we're opening the show, speaking of going back to NWO, uh, Hogan, Bischoff, Stevie, Hennig, The Disciple, Vincent, and Buff Bagwell are all here, even though only two of them plan to talk. Um, Bischoff says the most beautiful people in the world are all in the ring right now uh hogan gets on the the mic he said the nwoites were praising him once he got to town and telling him how great he was but after war games he wants everybody to know that he is going to get his world title back um he says the hollywood has (laughs) this is great that nwo hollywood have planned strategies for everybody and he goes to run through all list of horns and explain the detailed plans but his detailed plans are variations of I'm not worried about him or my plan for this person is I'm going to beat them yeah his
1: detailed plan is
0: well they're just going to lose <laughs> That that that's yeah, his yeah. plan um, I'm Hulk Hogan and I will win is his plan which is you know it worked very well for him in his career I guess <laughs>
1: um, I, did, I did like it like you know Piper and DDP are going to take each other out Warrior is a non-factor for some reason even though he's terrified of them um yeah like it's good heel stuff like Nash Dave he calls Nash the big greasy spoon again
0: I need to every time we we finish a recording of this show I forget that it's come up again and I need to go look into this (laughs) you know
1: what we need to ask Kevin Nash about this
0: (laughs) why do they keep calling you a spoon like what, what is it what does this mean (laughs) <laughs> like uh, we, we've pled to our American friends uh, and all our, our thunder buddies but I guess we have a wealth of new listeners and followers mm. since the last time we tried could somebody who knows please tell us what this spoon bit is about Um, if they know because it is like it just keeps and
1: it gets a big chuckle from everyone up. in the background like everyone is just laughing at this spoon comment
0: like yeah uh, and look I'm laughing but I have no idea yeah, that's just it's bewildering. I just don't get it. like if
1: if I knew understood what it was, I could say, right, that's funny But I don't and I've just I'm
0: so been like befuddled that's gone on for months at this stage. <laughs> yeah. Since I like I think one of our very early episodes was about Nash being a big spoon. Oh yeah, I think
1: he he, um, he was still in like the original NWO when he first called him the big spoon.
0: Yeah. Um so yeah, like you said, he he ran up and down the kind of list of people that were in there. Um and then he kind of at the end mentions as for Bret Hart, the drama that you were referring to earlier Lee, he said he has big Stevie Ray watching his back. As they go to depart the ring, I did enjoy the sparmy line for Bischoff where he thanks everybody for their money that that, that they took. <laughs> And then, like, Hogan and co, they, they get really close up into the camera, all kind of dog piled on top of each other. And it's weird, like, in COVID 2020, seeing people, like, stand that close together makes me slightly uneasy now.
1: Okay, I, um, I wasn't the only one that thought at them. Because <laughs> I had I, I, I the same thought, yeah.
0: Yeah, I've kind of gotten over, because of the empty arena wrestling, I've kind of gotten over the weirdness of, and seeing people wrestle i've kind of gotten over now i've seen enough shows that it's not phasing me anymore but if there's like a pile up of people like this where they're all kind of basically on top of each other down the barrel of the camera I'm, i'm a bit like god do you remember when people used to do that and not be worried remember gangs of friends getting together for photographs I did enjoy how Hogan is saying, like, he's he's bigging up Stevie who is not paying attention and he's off doing, the, like, the point at Bischoff and, and shit like that. But uh, then they talk about how uh, Hogan doesn't look into Vincent's eyes, but Vincent is wearing sunglasses. Um, That's classic best time Hogan. To look into his eyes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> next up. I'm so excited. It's Golden <laughs> right. King. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so, Silver King. Silver King is en route to the ring as we cut backstage to jericho and i wasn't sure at this point but obviously you know a little bit later on it is there's um he mentions that he is the tv champion which means mm-hmm. that if there is a tv in your home he is your champion which is which is great, a great line. oh that's brilliant it's great he says he's the most important champion in wcw and at that moment i was going kind of like is this the start the start of like one of our favorite feuds that never was sort Mm -hmm. of a one-man feud almost um as i wrote here the start of the goldberg beef he says if goldberg goes to walk around with security and a camera guy he should too he's hired a camera guy and some personal security guards at which point i'm jumping up and down like please please be them please be this night he said so tonight you're going to get to see some behind the scenes backstage chris jericho uncensored and then he does this big goofy grin into the camera and it just cuts back to the ring and then we forget about it for a couple of segments are you excited because i am so excited obviously we're going to talk about it more in a couple of minutes but oh my god i was giddy yeah
1: I was the same as soon as I hear them say I've heard the camera I was like oh I know what this
0: is <laughs> yeah, yeah what I was like we'll, look we'll get to it uh, Silver King versus Hoovy is the first match of the night um, uh, you, actually you missed
1: one thing um, yeah. when, it cut, when it cuts back to the ring and Lee Marshall is just going on a mad one about Jericho <laughs> and he's like he's an egomaniac and Bobby cuts in but
0: yeah he's good at it yeah <laughs> I love yeah. Bobby Oh, my God. He... um. It, so, Silver King versus Hoovy is the match. And I think someone like Silver King is a great choice to put against Hoovy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think, like, because he's a, he's a barrel-chested, bigger guy, he's experienced, and Hoovy at this stage of his career, needs those guys who are going to be good bases and can, can keep work pace with him. Yeah. At work his style, yes. And, and make him look good doing it. And I think Silver King, like I'm trying to think there are probably only a handful better choices you could have with that cruiserweight roster. Uh while this match was going on, I was really enjoying it Lee. Yeah, I, I really like the it.
1: it only goes like what, maybe three or four minutes yeah. of actual action. But like it's really good, like back and forward and they're both doing a couple of springboard moves and Yeah. Um I think Hoovy busts Silver King open with a springboard drop kick like yeah. It's just like a really good little dream in a match, and then the finish.
0: Yeah, and like it, um, the 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 drop kick that that possibly busts Silver King open, it, it comes straight after, uh, Silver King hitting a really cool like pop up seated drop kick, which I I really loved. I yes, thought that looked cool. That was really great looking. Yeah. Um. So after the springboard drop kick that you mentioned, they go to the outside of the ring. And uh, Super King, or Silver King even. Super King. uh, Super King. (laughs) Silver King uh, gets the chair and he starts walking away from Hoovy and then he throws the chair at Hoovy who catches it out of instinct and he drop kicks it into Hoovy's head. Uh, And this is really weird here because this felt to me like almost a bit of miscommunication because the ref calls Mm -hmm. the bell, right? And the bell kind of rings once as if... You know, Penzer, whoever's at the bell, doesn't really know if they're actually supposed to ring it. And then, like, the match continues for about 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And they get into the ring, and the lads just carry on, like, maybe...
1: But But the bell rings again.
0: Yeah, the ref just keeps calling the bell, and then, like, it really feels like it wasn't supposed to happen. It doesn't feel like one of those worked shoot things. um, And... uh, Like Silver King at one point goes for a cover and that's when the ref like pulls him off and explains to him that he's DQ'd and like he looks genuinely annoyed and then just kind of to kill time just lays the boots into Hoobie's corpse
1: yeah it was was really strange I think it was a matter of like the ref was like well I obviously cannot ignore just how blatant this is and just had to call for the DQ like
0: or I wonder was there like was a DQ supposed to be the finish but it wasn't supposed to be the finish for another uh, minute or
1: two Ho- Hoovy would have been getting a clean win here you would I think, think. Uh, like they were never pushing Silver King no not even like for like a little TV series over two weeks like yeah, this was supposed to be like Hoovy hitting the Hoovy driver and getting the win
0: hmm. yeah it was just it was really unusual and a shame to to kind of cut short one mm-hmm. it started off real quick and promising as a match But uh, we move on next. After the break, Tony is on the ramp to talk to a returning J.J. Dillon about war games. Um, J.J. has news regarding Scott Hall, who has been missing for quite some time. He said he spent a lot of time on the golf course and tanning on the beach. Uh, And what I like about this, you know, I liked how subtle it was at first, but then he removes all subtlety with his next couple of sentences. And this is obviously... NWO Hollywood are in fighting at the moment with the whole Brett situation going on and this is JJ just trying to twist the knife and go well look it seems like Scott Hall is getting preferential treatment mm-hmm. from Eric Bischoff uh, he's allowed like not show up and take his vacations and play his golf and things like that and you know the rest of you guys aren't so you know
1: the, the, the rest of you have to come to Lexington Kentucky for Thunder
0: yeah I, I think yeah a little subtle burial of the town but uh, I, I think like it could, he, he could have been a little bit more subtle about it but I love um, and the opportunity for WCW to stick the knife in yeah I love the idea of like WC, this is WCW playing NWO mind game tactics and you know I, I like that part um, he said JJ said Scott had better put the clubs and the lotion away because he's going to be wrestling on Sunday at the pay-per-view and it's going to be against K-Dog next that up sh- that that should be a match anyway Yeah, certainly a match that will occur. Uh, Tony said we have footage from backstage. They cut to show uh, Jim and Davey jumping Lex Luger. Uh, We get more on that later. Next up, it's Wrath versus Jericho. Or is it, Lee? It's not.
1: Because this is one of the most... I don't want to say iconic. Iconic isn't the right word legendary legendary there you go that's the right word the most legendary segments in
0: wcw television history one of the great entrances of all time mm-hmm. so we open up on footage of jericho's locker room it says on his door chris jericho wcw paragon of virtue and it's on like a shitty a4 piece of paper mm-hmm. and it's just glued to the door either side of the door are two humans (laughs) that's a stretch one yeah one (laughs) to the left of the screen wearing a a belly top an ill-fashioned belly top that he is not pulling off do you know what it looks like it it looks like a shirt
1: that has had the sides cut off and like obviously the bat like it it's just it doesn't stretch all the way down either, so it is yeah. like almost like a belly
0: top. It's it's like, you know when like uh I know Shawn Michaels used to do it a lot, but like a lot of wrestlers would get their new T shirt and they would cut it into like a little poncho that yes. they would wear to the ring. It's like that, but like Jericho stopped with the scissors about halfway through when he was making this for Alphus. Mm-hmm. So yes, this man is the legendary Ralphus, who, as legend has it, was just a truck driver. Um, that really like his voice and his mannerisms really tickled Jericho, and I think he just, was
1: like a minor celebrity among the boys. I think was that the, the yeah, story. Yeah.
0: He would pop the boys and Jericho was just like trying to work him into something. And this was it appearing in that belly top with uh, written hastily in black marker on a Jericho personal security. Mm-hmm. To the other side of the door was a figure that you identified on Twitter earlier on today as Joey Janela's uncle, uh, but was in fact the Jerichoholic Ninja. And I don't know if you saw this, Lee, but we got tweets in identifying the Jerichoholic yes. Ninja. So, do you have it or will I pull it up here? Oh, you'll have to pull it up there. Um, that's fine. Yeah, no, fine. I,
1: I did see that people identified him as the Jericholic Ninja.
0: This is great because uh, I, I did not know this. Um, so, this guy, the ninja, and this is from uh, Wally Undergrounded. Thank you very much for this. The ninja was Rude Boy, a.k.a. Rudy Hill, who was part of the Insane Clown posse's group of friends. He wasn't a truck driver or anything. He was literally just a friend of ICP who came to shows with them while they were at WCW and talked his way into that spot because they let ICP do anything in that company, which yeah. is true. And then uh, he follows up by saying, like, it definitely was Rude Boy He because I was a huge ICP fan at the time and he used to run their call-in hotline oh, <laughs> and, <Jesus. laughs> and would talk about the WCW stuff. And this is interesting as well, because I always wondered why he was called the Jerichaholic Ninja. The term ninja is what juggalos use to refer to each other, hence ninja on his shirt. That is amazing. An amazing backstory. I, I very much love when the Thunder Buddies have our back with the info. It's great stuff. I, uh, yeah, very much enjoy that. So we have Ralphus. And the Jerichoholic Ninja, two uh, like cult heroes in WCW history. Jericho's door opens. <laughs> He's hyped up, just like Goldberg. He walks across, flanked by his security. And he goes to walk through a door, but he walks into a broom cupboard.
1: And, and doesn't take any notice, just walks out and just starts screaming about come on, Lexington, yeah. Kentucky,
0: doing the whole baby face fire. It's like he looks for a second like he's panicking, trying to think what to do, and then immediately no sells it, as I- you say, and keeps going. Whereas the commentary is just like I love this is something I hadn't remembered about the entrance. The entrance is iconic, but I had forgotten about, like, the commentary just taking the piss as it was happening.
1: Oh, yeah, total quip,
0: like, constantly quipping about everything that's going on, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so Brain says something like, oh, security is right on top of things here. <laughs> and then Lee Marshall tried to make excuses like, oh, it's a big building, guys, come on. <laughs> and Brain says, is that Dillinger in the shirt? <laughs> and Tony's totally, like, oh, may- no, maybe it is. <laughs> so then they go down the corridor another bit you think the gag is over because they get to the black curtains that take you through to the entrance ramp he he throws the curtain to the side and it's just a brick wall it's a wall brother I think I think at this stage
1: Heenan then says come on we've only got to build until midnight
0: yeah yeah this is a, yeah. so like it, he's clearly lost at this point and still wandering around he goes yeah we only have to build until midnight Chris uh, then Jericho finds another door he goes right this is it you know he's getting ready to go to get his piece of wrath and it's, an, it's a fire exit to the building and he gets locked out except
1: he doesn't <laughs> yeah <laughs> because in true WCW fashion the door didn't lock yeah and as Jericho's pulling on it you see the door open and he has to quickly kick it shut <laughs> yeah and
0: yeah. then there's put couple- his
1: foot against it as he's pulling on it
0: yeah there's a couple of moments where like the seams really start to show in this but it makes it even better yeah I it think. makes it
1: even better Off, 100%
0: so he throws a spectacular tantrum upon being locked out, like just it's kind of like the one he threw backstage after Malenko reappeared mm-hmm. uh, in the Battle Royal, where he's just screaming and crying and throwing a chair uh, the bell rings inside the ring and Wrath is fed up with these shenanigans so he starts coming for Jericho it looks like Wrath gets lost for a minute because he's trying to, obviously they're doing this live <laughs> <laughs> like they're this live tape, so he had forgotten, obviously, what the route was because there's a moment where he's second-guessing himself uh, which door is the right one. Rath finds him and then gives him a chase around the corner, around a truck, but then both of them think they're out of sight of the truck. And Jericho just stops running. <laughs> yeah, Jericho <laughs> stops running and Wrath kind of... He pulls up as well, but he keeps running past Jericho as he's pulling up. Yeah. Um, Lee, an all-time... Thunder and WCW moment. I
1: don't think we can do it justice. Talking about, you have to go watch this segment.
0: Yeah, I don't know where you've been if you've never seen it, but fuck, it was so good. Ah, uh, still apps still an absolute bit watching it. It'll uh, never ever get old. Like it's just
1: like 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 you alluded to earlier on. This is the beginning of Jericho versus Greenberg. Yeah, and the feud that ended up with Jericho legit choking
0: uh, Goldberg out on a front face lock (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but that's a story for another day indeed Um, we're back with the commentary team now and it's kind of a more solemn tone um, because they talk about an announcement that Jim Duggan had on a Saturday night taping during the week Um, Duggan uh, it cuts to him he's in the ring in a fabulous pink polo shirt it's a lovely shirt um, and he's announcing that he went to the doctor and he was diagnosed with cancer Um, so he's stepping away from the ring now thankfully with the benefit of 22 years hindsight we can look in and know that because he's still with us that the surgery he had later that week was a complete success and I didn't know this point it was the surgery Lee was such a success that he never even needed one session of chemo geez I didn't know that so they proper got it all out, but that said, you know, kidney surgery is pretty serious. Mm-hmm. He would be gone from the ring until April of nineteen ninety nine. Um so it took some time out. Uh like it really tugged on the heartstrings because he's talking about his wife and he had two really young daughters and talking about how like, you know, much he loves entertaining the fans and, and, and shit like that. It, it's kind of the obviously the most important thing is that he didn't want to leave his two daughters alone. So like mm-hmm. it it did pull on the heartstrings. And thank fuck we know that it had, you know, the rare happy ending in professional wrestling. Um, but yeah, and we like, don't have to watch a Jim Duggan match to label. <laughs> this is true, yeah. But uh, as the commentary would then say, like, you know, even though as we on the show don't really appreciate his matches at this point, he's one of those guys where I don't think anyone in WCW really had a bad word to say about him. Nah, look, we joke and
1: we fucking rag on his wrestling and stuff like that. But Jesus, like, to survive like an operation to like remove cancer and still be alive twenty two years later, like mm. the man is obviously tough as fuck and yeah. like we look. I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna rag on his wrestling when he comes back. <laughs> <Yeah>. I will, <laughs> but I have the utmost respect for the man. Like like you say, you never hear a bad Jim Duggan story.
0: Yeah, uh, and, and what's crazy as well as because I was I was obviously looking him up to to see. Uh, how quickly he was over this and when he was back. Um, at the time, he was only 44 years old. Jesus, that man's lived a life. <laughs> yeah, I know. I suppose he was saying that he had been in the ring over 20 years already at that point. So, you know, a lot of miles on the clock. The, the road alone, um, you kids. The road loan. That That is what they say. Um, I really felt bad for the commentary because as we go into the next segment with Canyon coming out, like the three of them seem properly shaken. Um, and I always it's something I you know I don't envy and I absolutely admire is the ability of broadcasters in sports or whatever to have to deal with something like mm-hmm. this and then they don't have to gears. get it yeah. yeah and obviously there have been occasions in the past when this has happened with wrestling commentary where really they shouldn't have had to move on nothing should have Mm -hmm. happened like you know we all saw dark side of the ring this you know this this past spring Mm -hmm. where JR is talking about how he was basically told by Kevin Dunn or whoever it was in his his microphone that Owen Hart had died on route to the hospital and that he was going back live in 10 seconds yeah get on with your fucking job, basically like like I, I can't imagine what it takes okay. to be able to to keep a broadcast like that on its legs, uh, like, you know, like, just,
1: just just take that for an example. Like imagine processing that someone that you see every day of your life, or like say five five out of seven days a week, yeah, has just died in front of your eyes less than an hour ago, in that manner, in that uh, horrific manner, yeah, and you get in your ear heart to died on the way to hospital. You're back in 10, 9,
0: 8. Like, yeah. The fuck, like, seriously? Yeah. The other one I always think of is Michael Cole having to do Raw by himself when G- Lawler had the heart yeah. attack. Yeah, Jesus. Um, But this, like, obviously not on the same... Now we know. Not on the same scale uh, as as somebody dying because Hacksaw was fine. But yeah, I just, I just can't understand... Like, I don't know if I'd be able to keep it together if I was in the same role. So, like eternal respect to the three guys here for doing that. Um, Tony says that WCW officials pass him a note during the break uh, that they're going to get to with regards to the, the Lex Luger match later after the attack backstage. But right now, Canyon is speaking. Who's better than Canyon? Nobody, says Canyon.
1: <laughs> I, I should say, at this point, Connor was with me watching Thunder. Yeah. And as Canyon said, who's better than Canyon? And uh, he said, nobody's better than Canyon. I'm the
0: best. Well, he says, I'm a... Uh... I'm simply the best. He goes, Yeah, uh, nobody's better, and I am what I say I am the best. Yeah,
1: and Connor just pipes up, Well, you're not the world champ.
0: Yeah. Saturn, <laughs> Saturn's true. better
1: than you. Dv oh. is better than you. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like,
0: I just looked at him, I was like, Yeah, you're he, he is. <laughs> sorry to drag things back there's something that just occurred to me from the Jericho segment because we had a couple of comments about it one on Twitter and one on Instagram Uh, Dave said it to us on Instagram and I can't remember who said it on Twitter but um, something we haven't remarked on on the show is the design of that TV title which is one of my low-key favourite belts it's it's such a nice title isn't it and and do you know what they said that in the comments the Thunder Buddies Mm -hmm. and I thought more and more about it and I think Up and down the card, WCW has some great belts at this time. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, the only ones
1: I don't like are the tag belts.
0: Yeah, the tag belts I could take or leave, but I love the US title. Uh,
1: The US title is probably my favourite ever title. Like, Big Gold is obviously Big Gold. Who doesn't fucking love that belt? The TV title is just... It's so, like, understated that it's perfect as a TV title, if that makes sense. And, yeah, like, uh, just a great collection of belts
0: yeah absolutely and I think like you know I don't know if I'd say it cracks top five or anything like that because I think about like uh, the the kind of big blue I think about the mm-hmm. winged eagle Um, I, I, I I would go big gold before I go TV title from the WCW belts. Um, but you know, it's like, it's definitely in the higher echelon of, of wrestling belts, uh, from my time growing up, but back to Canyon in the ring, nobody's better than him. He says, but Lee in something I had mentioned one or two episodes ago, (laughs) there was somebody that was going to pop up on, uh, WCW TV that would surprise you. And is it one Nicholas Dinsmore? It is indeed, and we should have known I guess that we were gonna eventually get somebody from o v w because this was a taping in Kentucky. jeez, I never uh, show you know what it didn't
1: even tweak to me that that was the case,
0: so Nick Dinsmore, if you don't know, is better known to w w e fans from the mid two thousands as eugene um and and still, I will say like. It, you only see kind of fleeting glimpses of his face but it is unmistakably Nick Dinsmore mm-hmm. um, very very young he'd been wrestling a couple of, I think maybe a year or two at this point this is in a weird phase where OVW exists and a lot of guys who would eventually show up in WWF WWE are there but I think it's shortly before they become a developmental yes um, I, I want to say like maybe only a matter of months. I know, before I know
1: OVW was open for a while before Cornette got involved. Yeah. So that would probably make
0: sense that this was this time period. Yeah. So I think it would be within the next six or eight months because it's around the time that Russo goes that... Cornette is also sent down because Cornette mm-hmm. so Cornette in 99 is he's moved to commentary first because he does the commentary on the pilot for Smackdown and does he I yes they, so they did like a one off episode of Smackdown before that the was, thing got ordered to series that was the one with Rock uh, Triple H with Michaels as the ref I, I want to say so, but I, I can't... Like I'm trying to think back because I, I listened to uh, the Attitude Era podcast do mm. a Smackdown recap podcast called The Smackdown Crawl that I started listening to not long ago. And I think they talked about Cornette being on commentary for the, the, the episode zero, shall we say, of, uh, of Smackdown. But um, then not long after that, he, he's moved down south. Because um, I think there are definitely Observer lives in the archives from like 99 and, and early 2000 where he is big bigging bigging up, up like OVW yeah. OVW shows at Six Flags and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, Nick Dinsmore shows up here and it's like, it's super surreal seeing him there. And he was a guy Lee who, you know, in recent years, it's been well documented that he, he had like a lot of struggles with substance abuse and things like that. But, um, in terms of a wrestler, everybody rates him rated him like in developmental so highly Mm -hmm. as one of the like real blue chippers and fuck there was a case of a guy that creative absolutely torpedoed him and where he could have ended up doesn't the
1: story go that Jim Cornette when he found about about the Eugene character begged them to take anyone but Dinsmore and when he found out they were taking Dinsmore he like just lost the fucking plot
0: Yeah, I think there was two people he really, like... Damager. Damager, yeah. When he heard Damager was being called up and being put in the Bashams. Yeah. Um, Well, he didn't find out about... He he found
1: out about that one because uh, Damager, which was Doug, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, He showed up to an OVW taping after going up to do a dark match. He showed up with the bald head. Yes. And that's how he found out...
0: Yeah, and Cornet being the old school territories guy, he was. It seemed like he was more annoyed because he was like, "If you had given me notice, I could have built up a hair match and made money." Yeah. Um. But yeah. So Nick Dinsmore here. You don't really get to see a lot of him, but I. I will tell you, Lee. He does come back. I can't wait. Um. But yeah, it, it's just it's just it's so weird to see. It's one of those, you know. There's like always you'll you'll get um screenshots of oh look at the guy that showed up on wwf metal or look who showed up on velocity you know it's you get the it's that before really before young, they were superstars yeah yeah really young john moxley with pink hair on velocity or samoa joe was on metal brian danielson um, john cena yeah there's so many of them but like this is a nice inverse of it where you have nick dinsmore showing up on on a random thunder. I would, ne- like, gun to my head, I never would have said he was wrestling in 1998, let alone on television.
1: I don't think but... he's
0: a name I would have of. No, absolutely not. Anyway, this kind of evolves then into uh, what I think is a really, really good angle. So he said he doesn't want to face this nobody. And then there's a point where he goes, all due respect, kid. <laughs> um, so he's instructing Lodi to instruct Saturn to come out and wrestle him. So Saturn comes out with his big sad head, I and mean, you remember that he has to do Lodi's bidding. Mm-hmm. And he's got a Lodi rules sign. I,
1: I should also mention that the seven year old that was with me couldn't understand why it said rules with a Z.
0: Mm. So you had to explain to him that, that spelling it like that was a big deal at the time.
1: No, I just said it says Lodi rules, and that's yeah. just. It, 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 I didn't get into it. <laughs>
0: it's, yeah, <there's> no <laughs> it's the
1: it. It was the 90s kid, it was wild. <laughs>
0: Yeah, wait, wait till he finds out about how we used to spell extreme back then. <laughs> but he has the Lodi's r- rule sign. He gets into the ring and he drops the sign to reveal one that says Lodi's not here. And I love, I love this moment, Lee, because... He talks out, he talks through it. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So the, the crowd react first. They're like, oh. And then, yeah, as you said, Canyon reads it and then the penny drops... And he's like oh fuck so saturn absolutely floors him with a couple of lariats just suplexes him all across the ring and then wrenches his thumb into oh the turn, turnbuckle
1: that is then- so fucking it is sick like again watching with a 7 year old he's like i've never seen anything like that like he he's just like he's losing his mind that he could have like broken his fingers and yeah oh that that is brilliant. And uh, honestly, like I know I said it last time we
0: recorded this angle, this whole story is so fucking great. And Saturn follows up as well. Like he talks a bit more on the mic and I think the longer he's talking the more shaky he is. But I love the moment where he grabs the microphone at first and says you got nine more to go, Canyon. <laughs> and then <laughs> he goes, goes and, and he breaks another to... one,
1: doesn't he? He puts one in yeah. uh, the other buckle.
0: Yeah. And then Raven is here. He's got the flock and he instructs him to go down and get Saturn. And I love, this is, I love that Saturn is like, Raven, don't do it. Don't do yeah. it. He's like, yeah, don't make me do it. Yeah. And like, this is all time berserker Saturn. So he's already broken two fingers on Canyon who is screaming on the floor. Horace comes into the ring with Stoppy. Uh, he <laughs> waffles him in the head with it. But Saturn just kind of like, he stumbles a little, doesn't go down, shakes it off. Saturn goes absolutely wild kills all of them the whole flock he smashes Riggs' arm in the steps gets into the ring picks up Sick Boy on his shoulder stares Raven down and hits a Death Valley driver he was shaky when he got on the mic then and cut the promo about like you know um, Uh, uh,
1: Raven after like he lays all them out Raven's like I thought you wanted to save them Saturn look at the carnage you've, you've done look at how much you've hurt them and that yeah. that's when saturn gets on the mic.
0: Yeah. Like I said he wasn't great but he gets the point home and I think the angle complete home run.
1: Oh, it's so fucking good. Like th- this show hasn't had much wrestling and I don't even care. Like just yeah. The ang- this angle. I am so fucking hyped for the
0: Triple Threat match on Sunday. Yeah. Um here's another thing I want to bring up at this point, Lee. We didn't get a huge amount of feedback either way on your declaration for people to support you (laughs) Uh, on your martial arts division uh, power trip that you were on. And I'm afraid, Lee, in very WCW fashion, at this point, I am going to play my creative control card. come on. Going forward... What I will... I will concede one... One of your... uh, One of your rule changes. And I will say that... Unless it's, like, some massive, stupid battle royal... I will allow the Martial Arts Division to change hands in, like, a three-way or a four-way. Okay. I will concede that point. Okay. However, I am not having all this... he he loses it in a match he's not even really in but technically is he in it sort of scenarios because I, I I thought back to the origin of the martial arts division championship and yes we want to capture the madness of WCW but also at heart it's a linear championship uh, and one of the things I'm very curious in is seeing WCW I think it's a nice little microcosm of WCW's booking to see who is booked strong and who like who holds on to it for the longest, and 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 things like that. Um. So I'm going to say that I'll allow the first rule, where like say the three way at the pay per view or something like that. If Raven does not win, then he will lose the martial arts division title to whoever that is. But I stop at the water's edge. Is at him lo- him losing the belt in a match he wasn't a participant in. Which I I feel I feel is a compromise between. Your chaos and my order, which I think is kind of sums up the show nicely as well. Uh, I mean, you're ruining all the fun. <laughs> <sighs>
1: Look, fine, I'll, I'll fine. Look, I'll, I'll I'll compromise on this one. Look, I'm going to Ma- say Maying isn't champion, but Raven still is. Okay.
0: Yeah, so we're going back to Raven. I still have a because comp- one of the reasons I was going to do it is because I'm looking forward to actually writing out. Uh, when we get to the, the year two of the Thundies I want to rank the martial arts division champions uh, because at the bottom of my show notes I have the title history with dates oh, of Jesus. every single champion so far Um, so you can look forward to that one on, on the Thundies when we get to our year end awards but anyway after that great angle uh, we go from the sublime to the ridiculous it's Mongo versus Kurt Hennig to which I just wrote ew <laughs> yeah this isn't good (laughs) uh Tony follows up on the note that we spoke of in the last segment it was just it's one of those rare instances where a a WCW segment was actually so action packed with Saturn laying out the whole flock that the, the commentary didn't have time to be distracted um So they get to it now and they say that the lex Davy match that had been planned for later after the attack backstage is now going to be a tag match with Davy and Neidhart against uh, Lex and a mystery partner. Whoever that might be. Um, So this match is basically just Mongo putting a beating on Hennig for a good while here. Um, And it's great because... I think the whole thing is, you know, it's part of the whole Mongo is trying to get retribution a year later after they forgot about Hennig uh, destroying the horseman. And even though Mongo, it, I, I guess he's doing his best, the crowd don't want the horseman. They just want flair. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. um,
0: This is
1: probably the first segment on this show where I feel like I missed something important because they had the cage match with Malenko and Henning on Nitro and i really feel like we missed out because they mentioned that Aaron ran in at some point yeah. in the match and that feels like a major plot point which we haven't even got footage of or anything like that so mm-hmm. this is like the really the first time in a while like we'll give them credit this is the first time in a while that i've actually felt like i missed out on something
0: yeah uh hennig starts working the leg for a while but then mongo hits what can best be described as a move on hennig uh, goes for his three-point stance tackles, but as he's doing that, Stevie is here and the bell is rung. Stevie hits him with the slapjack, and the absolute tree falling in the wood cell from Mongo did get a laugh out of me. I will, <laughs> I will confess. He was knocked out cold, Dave. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely unconscious. Um, Buff throws in a chair and they attempt to decapitate Mongo. This I thought was cool. So, like, they got the chair and the two lads pin him down with his head draping over the edge of the apron and Henning is standing above him with the chair like he's literally going to cut his head off like it's a fucking guillotine. So, I thought that looked cool. I thought it was a bit zero to 60 for a match yeah, in the middle like, of a random Thunder episode. It's a bit like, Jesus, come on. like
1: Fucking, you don't want to murder the man. like
0: Yeah, this is like... Th- this makes, like, you know... Pilmanizing somebody looked like a deep tissue massage by comparison um, but uh, Malenko comes out for the save in his jeans uh, the numbers start to circle the two lads but then Aaron and a 2x4 come out and I'll tell you what the crowd go absolutely nuts for the enforcer and I'm happy to see him
1: I tell you it wasn't only the crowd that went nuts I fucking I sat up in my chair and I took notice when Aaron started running out with the 2x4 because that's mentioned... when you know like shit is getting
0: real yeah, we've mentioned him here and there when he's on the show and when he's cutting good promos. And we mentioned him with our good friend Jamesy on the, the Ric Flair Pick Your Poison. But just take a minute here. How fucking good was Aaron Anderson? Uh, like,
1: it's hard to put into words just how fucking good he is. Like, even the promo that follows this this segment, like, it's not even how, like what he's saying that matters it's the way he says things yeah and you just get i said it before what would be like you you get drawn in and like like I say as soon as he ran out I sat up I was like yeah. oh shit like Iron Aaron is involved and like th- this is fucking this is good shit like the the, the yeah. moment that I know all of our generation remember and will never forget is Wrestlemania 18 oh yeah like that's Spinebuster
0: yeah, I do. You know what? Like, and he still does it every now and then, where he shows up and he spine busters somebody, and I, I it gets me every timely. Mm-hmm. And like, <laughs> like he he did it to Sean Spears. He did. Like, that's right in the Cody match. Year. Yeah, yeah, and it was amazing, especially because like Tully was there, jaw on the floor as it happened. There was a time when they did the sham of a starcade on the WWE House Show. He did it to Ziggler. Um, like when he was still with WWE. He, so, like you know, he's good for it every now and again. He, and I, yeah, I still react absolutely massive. Like every time he, he's he on
1: it. Dynamite tonight with Tully and Rock and Roll Express. I believe drawing a segment together.
0: I'm telling you, if it gets
1: physical, I was just gonna I, say mm-hmm. if it if it gets physical, I'm not gonna be shocked if Aaron busts out a fucking
0: Spine buster on Ricky fucking Martin. Part of me really hopes because that like I know you're trying to recapture the magic. Uh, but seeing as they're twisting in the wind slightly with with no real program to do, I really hope this is a setup for a Rock and Roll Proud and Powerful. Because their match last year, was it WrestleMania weekend, one of the shows, had no right to oh, be as good right. as it was. Yeah, that, that's when Morton busted
1: out the Destroyer for the first Destroyer. time, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. It was so good. So I really hope that maybe that's something that they're they're looking at for the pay-per-view because they had teased it and then did nothing with it mm-hmm. like months and months ago. Um, But anyway, that's another thing. Like, Aaron Anderson, uh, before we get back to promo, Aaron Anderson is a guy who, even though everybody, and I mean everybody in the business, everybody kind of like whose opinions I would take on board on wrestling Twitter or journalism-wise, everybody rates Aaron Anderson as a performer and as a promo and I still feel like he's underrated yeah it's,
1: it's that strange thing isn't it He's just Aaron he's his own class it's yeah. like he was never world champion he didn't need to be because yeah. he wasn't he wasn't that guy he didn't need to be that guy he was that guy's friend and he he was just a tough fucker that even when he was fucking 22 looked like he was 40 and just fucking it worked
0: if I had been 10 10- or 15 years older I guarantee you Aaron Anderson would be my favourite wrestler like no doubt about it Uh, whenever I've gone back in like obviously archival footage was Mm -hmm. harder to find when we were growing up so it's more kind of like with the benefit of the network and you know the odd tape or DVD comp before that I would see him but he's just so like not just on the microphone as we're about to talk about but even in the ring just captivating um and a guy who like, again, it's it's something that people say all the time. But you could do a lot worse than just watching Aaron Anderson tapes if you're going to be a wrestler. Do you know what if
1: if anybody asked me like, oh, you know, I want to be a wrestler, who should I watch? Aaron Anderson because the man could do it. Like he could do it as a tag wrestler, as a heel, as a face, as singles, yeah. same yeah. either side. Like it just. And I've said this before on the show. Like Aaron Anderson's DDT is probably the best DDT in the business.
0: Yeah, people talk about the Spinebuster a lot, but fuck that DDT. Oh, it's so fucking good. Just everything he, he does teased, is so good. <laughs> he teased on Twitter recently that he he might have a DDT left in him and I'm just I'm telling you what the more I think about after you saying that you know people are going to have seen Dynamite by the time this show comes out and know that we will have been heartbroken or elated by what happened but now I'm working myself into thinking I'm going to see a DDT the more,
1: the more I want just Iron and Tully to fucking hug it out and just fucking lay out the Rock and Roll Express one last time
0: oh, oh my god stop now stop get too excited and and you know mid mid Town would love that himself oh he would Anyway, speaking of Tony, he's in the ring with Aaron. Aaron is screaming into the camera, is this what you wanted? Is this what you wanted me coming back? Yes. He says he tried to walk <laughs> away, but they dragged him back in. He's not saying the horsemen are back. He's not saying they ever will be back. He wouldn't have said it at one time, but tonight he would be honored to call Malenko a horseman. Love that moment. Fucking chills. Bischoff is out now. He says, you're right, it's not your call if there'll ever be another four horsemen, it's mine. Bischoff wants to know who he works for and he's trying to get him to say that he works for him, but Aaron won't say it. Eric pulls Aaron's entire book out of his pocket. Those are some big fucking pockets, I'll tell you that, because that is a meaty tome that he pulled out. <laughs> um, He says it's written in his book that he worked for him. He said, but who gave him permission to write that book? He says, the horsemen are history and they belong in a museum. And I love this. The moment he says, you can forget about Flair, Arn fucking loses it. Yeah. Rings his neck. And he has him like over the ropes, strangling him. And like this dead behind the eyes look like this grim realisation is like, if no one stops me, I'm going to kill him. And I loved it. He says, you want me to sue you? Like I'm suing Flair. I, th- I think isn't, you,
1: isn't it that Malenko says pulls him off and says don't touch him because he'll sue you like you're suing Flair
0: yeah and then he goes yeah yeah you, you want me then after that he says you want me to sue you like I'm suing Flair he says if you want the horseman back if you want Flair back next week they'll arm wrestle left handed for an iron accept uh, so for those of you who don't know because I don't think we mentioned it too much at the time mm-hmm. uh, at the moment Flair is engaged in legal proceedings against WCW um, because he missed an episode of Thunder he missed an episode of Thunder that he told them he was going to miss in advance and they still benched him and sued him for it. Um so it was to go to one of Reed's wrestling matches. It was, yes. And was it was it the one where on the week where Raw beat them? It beat Nitro and it and was like
1: Bischoff blamed him for like lost revenue and stuff like this and
0: yeah, it it was around the time where Bischoff was freaking out about other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um And this was just like flair as he so often was from WCW executives in the, the early to late 90s was just a scapegoat, you know, because a lot of the executive class, they were in such refusal to admit that he would pop ratings, even yeah. though they kept bringing him back and he kept mm-hmm. popping ratings and they just kept trying to kill him, you know, and they were all convinced that he was absolutely past it and that he wasn't Ric Flair but he, you know they would do things like you know when they were doing the, the angles with Hogan they would have to hide him in Flair country because Hogan the baby face was getting booed and Ric Flair was being cheered it, like it's fucking typical WC,
1: WCW it's just it's just what they they spent 10 years trying to de-push the man when really they should have just said he's our guy he's our fucking bay brute.
0: yeah and, like, how much better off they would have been for it. But anyway, yeah. that's the road less traveled, I guess. Uh, Next up, we have Mike today here. And I'll tell you what, they're all buzzing after the Iron promo. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is a 180 from, you know, it was like 20 minutes ago when they had to deliver the news about Hacksaw. And they're just... Aaron Anderson has lifted them out of their slump. Um, Lodi comes out saying that Saturn threw him in a river. Um, and very, like very kind of nineties physical comedy style. He's covered in seaweed and has a fish in his pants. In, um, in spite and of and it I'm, being
1: a river, not a sea that you've thrown into.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> I, I did, I did enjoy uh, Brain just deadpanning. Uh, what Was it he said? Oh yeah, won't be long before cats start following him home.
1: <laughs> and I love how dismissive Tony is of him. Tony just has no time for yeah. him. He's like, have you seen Saren? No, fuck off.
0: (laughs) This disobeyed a golden rule of wrestling. And that's if someone is going in the water, you fucking show it. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And especially when Tony described the situation in the next segment where it was, they were driving from the airport, Saturn had enough, pulled a car in and fucked him off a bridge into the river or something like this, he, he describes it as. I'm like, that would have been the, like, on like on most Thunders, that would be the best segment of the night.
1: I think, like, two years later, maybe they would have, like, a camcord footage of, like, Lodi telling Saturn what to do. Yeah. And then, like, Saturn just snapping and throwing him in a fucking river, like.
0: They wouldn't even do camera. Like, I remember how they just, you know, we complain about WWE doing it now where they, all the the, the principal actors act like they can't see the camera that's standing there in mm-hmm. the back with them. Um, But WCW is so bad for it as well. I remember, and I think it was a Nitro, where there was a bar fight between the Harris brothers and Chronic. Oh, good Lord. That there's just, there's just a camera crew there. And they're just there you know the camera crew were there recording and all of a sudden the bar fight like all of a sudden the Harris boys come by and go oh, you know we're going to attack Chronic or something like that it's just yeah yeah. can't wait to get to that Lee <laughs> that'll be a Knights of Nitro special the shitty bar fight between the Harris brothers and Chronic actually did you watch the video of the Goldberg entrance that Alan sent us no I didn't oh. I kept meaning to okay where he enters from like the, the train station across the street this is for we had mentioned it on the show about how Chronic's last
1: ever match was in all Japan
0: in the Tokyo Dome (laughs) against Goldberg and who was it? Muto. yeah Muto and yeah Goldberg enters from across the street in the train station yeah he enters across the street in the train station walks
1: across with like full security in his like you know remember that jacket he wore when he debuted in WWE the like Harley Davidson jacket wearing that like in his jeans and just walks to the he walks to the locker room and then tells the camera to get the fuck out. And then it comes back and Goldberg walking out in his gear.
0: <laughs> <laughs> incredible.
1: And it's just like it's like I think it's about four and a half, five minutes long. And it's incredible. And it and the more devastating thing is apparently this match does not exist on footage anywhere.
0: Yeah. This is, yeah, Alan did mention this to us, and that's very, very sad to me. Uh our next match is the tag match mentioned earlier it's jim and davy versus lex and question mark uh because lex starts the match alone and he actually seems to be doing just finely <laughs> um he is beating the shite out of both of them uh until jim grabs a headlock in the corner while he's a uh, not the legal man and literally to the second he grabs the headlock out comes brett commentary are bemoaning the fact that this makes it effectively three on one but then brett I don't know who missed their cue. I suspect Jim Hurt. Brett just goes for them and has joined Lex's team. Brett beats up Jim. Uh he took the tag. There was a great moment where he, he goes he, like after he beats up the two of them, he goes onto the side and he holds out the hand. And Lex really sells the can I trust him thing before tagging him. Brett beats up Nighthurt, tags Lex back in, who is still suspicious. Puts him in the torture rack... And I felt so... I, I don't know if you noticed this... I felt so bad for Lex here... Because... Nightheart Not the easiest man to get up for a torture rack... I, I think I counted maybe three... Or even four times... Where... He nearly collapses off his back... Like he doesn't get him upright, And he nearly loses him... But just keeps hoisting him back up... To the point where... He is begging... I think it's Charles Robinson... Just ring the fucking bell... Basically... <laughs> Um, because he just can't hold him up there anymore, and yeah, um, taps out. Uh, the uneasy alliance between Lex and Brett has been formed. Uh, what did you think of this? I thought this was one of the more, at least, interesting Brett segments we've had.
1: They've you breeze through that run through like a man who just absolutely could not give a fuck. It's it's so warmly. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Look, I'm 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 still it it has a long way to go before I say I'm into anything Brett's doing, but I think for a match involving these four men, they did it in a reasonably interesting way.
1: Look, I'm I'm very much with you on Brett isn't good. Yeah, but you know that that he seemed to be playing the long game at this stage with the whole Brett versus Hogan stuff and and teasing that yeah. Brett is. On side with Sting and Luger at least, yeah. so you know. Look, I don't want to say it's interesting, mm. but look, they're doing something. So I'll, I'll yeah, I'll, which is better than nothing. I'll give them that little nugget of credit for that. They're, yeah. they're, they're trying something.
0: I'll give you another little fact here, Lee. About this, thirteen segments into the show, and this is the first clean finish. Gotta love Thunder. <laughs> Damn straight. Uh, we get a Saturday night tease, and it's going to be the Fall Brawl kickoff show. And they're teasing that more matches for the show are going to be announced. We get a replay of JJ's announcement from earlier in the night, and then it's Conan versus Disco with Alex Wright. Uh, did Did you see
1: Dis- Disco's magnificent pink gear? Man, how how
0: how how great does he look? I think it's one of the only uh, man-made structures visible from space that gear um, I love I, what I did love about this is the two dorks begging to join the wolfpack <laughs> they had heard that they were looking for new members and they really wanted to join Conan completely buries them by saying that the wolf pack don't roll with saps and I love indignant Alex Wright saying can't you see we are cool? <laughs> loved it yeah. uh, when we get to the actual match Lee Conan absolutely squashes him and I would say that this match lasts about half as long as the promo segment did but the crowd loved it They've like we,
1: we've talked about this Conan may be like the second most over man on this fucking roster at the moment
0: yeah well I, I wrote here that apart from Arn, this is the biggest reaction to anybody on the show so far, at least.
1: Like, I think it's, like, it's Goldberg and then maybe Conan and maybe DDP, like, they're with him. Yeah. But, like, Yeah. Conan is so fucking over, like, yeah. I know, like, we call it a shtick, like, but, like, that opening, like, promo that he does every week. Yeah. Yeah. So fucking loud. Like, so loud.
0: Yeah. And do you know what? Like, I, I know even, like, a couple of years later, uh, Filthy Animals and he's still doing the promo, and it's still over as hell. Mm-hmm. Like, that dude, you know, say what you like about him, and a lot of people do say things about him. Um, but smart, you know? Like,
1: he does what? Four moves in this match Facebuster, Roland yeah. Laria, Tequila Sunrise.
0: Yeah. I, like, yeah, just a smart guy. What can you say? Um, next, we have Tanay. This is the fucking weirdest segment of the whole show. Taney is out, outside the building. But it looks like a different building altogether. It's suddenly broad daylight, even though it had been nighttime earlier during Jericho's segment. (laughs) And um, he's there with the Armstrongs. And if that wasn't weird enough, Cat walks by in his gear, outside, and you know, Lee, I've said that before on the show, one of my favorite things comedy things in wrestling whether intentional or not is wrestlers in their gear in the real world so I'm on board you know Mm -hmm. ironically of course but he's there in his gear barefoot and outdoors he walks past them and then walks back and absolutely fucking Bursts one of the Armstrongs in the face (laughs) with a foot. Like, I mean, his fucking jaw was spinning round his head. He hit him like proper snug. Um, Lays out the other one with a couple of punches. And then a man who you never see his face, but we can all assume is Norman Smiley, appears from out of nowhere. Appears to have been just off camera watching this whole thing. And they have a pull apart. The other thing about this segment before I I hand over to you, Lee, and get your in-depth analysis, I'm sure you're going to give on this, is if anybody watches this segment back, and I'm not saying watch this show just to see the segment, but there's a weird old man in the window of the door behind them who obviously, like, I don't know if he's arena staff or what, but doesn't seem to know what's going on. And it's just like watching on with a mix of confusion and horror on his face as this beating happens. Loved
1: it. I, I noticed that man and yeah, he's probably the best part of the segment. <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, this, this shit is weird. Like, I oh, well, maybe they're going to do like Scott Armstrong versus the cat or something just to give Cat a win and build up his record. No, like, yeah. they don't and this is just a standalone segment and yep. I don't know why. Are they building to the cat versus Norman Smiley?
0: I guess it's really going to fill those seats. Um, next up, we've Tony, and he calls on Roddy Piper to come out. Um, I really enjoyed the uh, chapter on the WWE Network Is co- uh, for this segment. is called Piper and DDP Get Jacked Up. <laughs> so... That'll let you know what you're in for here. Don't have a whole hell of a lot to say about this, Promo Lee. Piper is out. He's fired up. He says, you know, they're in the home of the Wildcats. He was born a Wildcat, and on Sunday, he was being put in a cage with a wolf pack. I thought that was a clever little line. He says he knows the wolf pack are tough. He's seen their girlfriends. Bit of a rough gag there, mate. Uh, he gets fired up about how everyone in the back is fighting, like it's the Jerry Springer show, which for some reason gets, gets a huge, huge pop. pop. It's 1998, come on. Of course it's does yeah they're like oh we know the thing he's saying and then Paige appears in the crowd he says he never asked to be the captain but he earned it he reminds Piper that he volunteered for the team Paige didn't ask him to be on it he did recruit warrior though but they had both agreed to recruit recruit warrior and helped each other out in doing so he says at war games he's going to make somebody feel the bang which is what he does best do you have any thoughts on this part because I thought it was kind of just by the numbers wasn't the worst pipe rambling Piper we've seen but uh, I wasn't hugely gone on it
1: no, like, I don't want to say it was a nothing segment because it, it kind of expanded on the Piper versus DDP tension that they have going into the cage. Yeah. But, like, I wouldn't have missed it if it wasn't there, if that makes sense. Like, I'm I'm glad they're kind of using Thunder to further stories, but also I have no interest in Piper versus Page. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's... I don't know. Like and it feels weird. It, it, to... it feels
1: like muddy in the waters to have Piper and Paige who are both yeah. baby faces talking about like beating each other up. So, yeah, like and... they they don't outright say it, but like the tension is there. And it's muddy yeah. in the waters as Paige is about to get like the fucking huge mega push.
0: It also feels like it feels <sighs> I know it's smart booking to kind of lay the seeds about what's going to happen after the pay-per-view, but it feels like on the go-home show for a pay-per-view, they should really be talking about war games more than it feels like they're promoting, oh, it's the match after war games is what you want to see. And something as well that we've not been big fans of this whole month as they try and promote Fall Brawl is like, it's essentially... Two of the three teams are fighting, Infighting constantly, mm-hmm. you know, um, and not only is that tedious, and not only does the third team and all the infighting kind of piss on the idea of war games, but on top of that, it's set up now that, like, oh, the Wolfpack are the only team that get along, they're gonna look like real dummies if and when they don't win this match. Like, I, I know we said, like,
1: the match would be so much better if it was just NWL versus Wolfpack. But like imagine they just had Page versus Piper, number one contender. NWO versus Wolfpack, just four on four, Nash, Sting, Luger, Conan versus Brett, Hogan, Stevie and fucking I don't know, another, whoever, whoever else, Norton or something. Hmm. And then yeah, dude to the Brethart attention is like where he's like helping not outright helping, but like, you know, not attacking Sting and Luger and stuff like that. And then just let Piper and Page have a fucking 10-minute match.
0: Yeah, it's just... We said it before uh, in this build-up to fall brawl. It's pretty much any combination of these names they could have done would have been better than what they did do. Um, It's just a real, real disappointment. Um, Next up, we have Goldberg versus Rick Fuller. Guess how this one went. It was about 90 seconds. Um... Hogan and Disciple try to interfere at a certain point uh, to beat Goldberg down but he completely no-sells it somehow the ref does not see it though Uh, it's really weird because you have these three large men brawling in the corner and what would you say conservatively Lee is the ref even five feet away from them when it's happening
1: I'd like to think he didn't see not that he didn't see it that he just ignored it
0: or the ref just is like he just has really shite peripheral vision and just literally can't see anything he's not directly looking at, which and I may- think would be a poor quality in a referee. Or maybe he
1: just has great faith in Goldberg to not get beaten
0: up. Yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> and you know what? He was right. Uh, Disciple <laughs> eats a spear, Hogan bails, and Fuller eats a jackhammer. So, what do we know? Um, It's main event time. It's Stevie Ray versus Kevin Nash. Oh, boy. Um... What I will say is I, I really roared laughing during these entrances because Tony is doing the hard sell on the pay-per-view because it's the go-home segment mm-hmm. and he goes, look, I know we tell you every month that you can't miss the pay-per-view but this month you really can't miss the pay-per-view. We really mean it this month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you just know that in, in his own head he's like, my credibility has fallen off a cliff already.
1: <laughs> and it's only 1998. <laughs>
0: I know. Still nearly three more years to go. Um, this is just a big immobile stiff match, yeah. Lee. Like,
1: I don't think there's more than like three actual bumps in this match. It's just them yeah. throwing fucking haymakers at each other.
0: The most exciting tease in this match for something that might happen at the end is Brain saying that he will, at the end of the match, attempt to make his War Games prediction, and he has never been wrong. And Tony just says, yeah, you have.
1: <laughs> I think he says, like, are you sure about that?
0: <laughs> yeah. Um nothing particularly notable as we said happens in this match back and forth a little bit <clears throat> Nash finally goes for the jackknife but Vincent jumps him with the slapjack well, he jack. didn't <laughs> yeah yeah
1: because once again <laughs> Vincent missed his cue
0: just yeah describe describe what Vincent does not do here. so I think Nash lays out Stevie with like a
1: fucking huge big boo. yeah he looks down to Vincent on the floor like, gazes at him for a good couple of seconds. Nash then positions himself with his back to Vincent. And slowly, ever so slowly, sets up for the jackknife. Which Vincent doesn't actually get into the ring to, to interfere until Stevie is basically up on his shoulders. So he actually has to eat the jackknife because Vincent missed his cue. And it ruins the whole fucking setup.
0: <laughs> yeah oh my god <laughs> it's just he's just oh as if like going to another DQ finish wasn't bad enough like that it's just so badly handled so badly botched and missed by Vincent here it doesn't help at all. what I will say is Nash clearly looks proper annoyed because he does a big boot to Vincent to get him out of the yeah. way and um it's a it's as far as a, a shoot big boot I've ever seen in my life mm-hmm. like it was a big shoot. Um, oh, God. Yeah, he proper letters him with it. Um, but then, from the crowd, comes Scott Hall. Stumbling Scott attacks, Hall. Stumbling Scott Hall. He attacks Nash, starts to leave with Hogan and the boys, but then he goes back for round two, and this is when he really sells that he is under the influence. Uh, and as it's going off the air to a stumbling Scott Hall, <laughs> Brain is saying, that's a great program. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what up until the last couple of segments he was right well we
1: should mention the closing shot of the show yes because the whole NWO Hollywood these big tough heels are scared by a bit of graffiti on the wall
0: yes yes I forgot to write because I was doing my finish counter so I forgot to write this part down so they go back through the tunnel yep and they get into the NWO dressing room to celebrate another fuck finish in the main event of Thunder. And what do they see, Lee? I think what does it say is a warrior. Warrior, Owens, warrior, o, uh, warrior owns. Warrior O. Warrior O W N S Hollywood. Yeah. I think is what it says. Just, and you know what? If only that is where the, uh, the f- mystery warrior appearances would stop.
1: We got a month ahead of us of some of the worst shit.
0: <laughs> leading to one of the worst matches
1: but you know what we'll make the most of it
0: yeah like I know we said we're doing a um, we're doing a nights of, we're doing two nights of Nitro specials in the next uh, between the next two pay-per-views one is going to be great and then the what? other one is the <laughs> oh yeah I knew about one <laughs> uh, yeah oh we're doing the infamous shall we say Man in the Mirror episode as well well you know what the theme song on that show is going to be yep can't touch this MC Hammer. Um anyway, um yeah, that that's the end. And yeah, that like like you like you said, we have a, a month of horrible angles building up one of the worst matches. And like I had remembered the horrible angle, because again we were talking about doing our, our Knights of Nitro special, but I forgot just how bad like I haven't rewatched it, but I forgot until I was rereading Death of WCW how fucking bad that match is. Mm-hmm. And I'm really, really dreading it. But anyway.
1: I will say, I don't think I've ever seen it in full, so I'm almost looking forward to it in a sick kind of way.
0: Holy. Oh, oh.
1: I'm sure I have. I just forget a lot of it because... You've suppressed it. Yeah, basically. Yeah.
0: Um. Our winners and losers, Lee, from episode 31 of Thunder, the go-home. <sighs>
1: I'm gonna say the losers on this show were us because that Hoovy Silver King match had great potential. Yeah, and I I really wish we had got like a proper fucking like seven minute match over. Mm-hmm. Um, winners. Uh, it's probably fucking dull at this point, but I'm gonna say Saturn.
0: Yeah, he, he, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he looks like, a, it's like it's such like... a badass over this fucking over that oh, yeah. that segment. It feels like he's gonna be the winner so often. We're gonna to have to put him in that rarefied air with Jericho where he doesn't count no anymore people, soon. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll agree with you and give it to Saturn. Our uh, our finish counter brought to you by Ludwig Borger. We had eight matches on this show, uh, three clean finishes, four DQs or countouts, and one non finish. Um. So yeah, that's that's not one of the more favorable uh shows in terms of finishes. That's for sure uh ladies and gentlemen that is another episode of days with hunter in the bag um hang on hang on hang on hang on oh 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 yes yes i have it here for you lee it is the go home show yes i have it here i forgot it's it's our guessing game time yes and i did i pulled up the card before the show thank god you reminded me because i would have been raging i love doing this and seeing how you do (laughs) Uh, actually i'll tell you what i'm gonna actually pull it up on the tablet uh, just to be extra professional here. Um, so Fall Brawl nineteen ninety eight War Games. Uh, Lee, how confident are you feeling before we start here about your ability to to predict this whole card oh. or remember this whole card, as the case may be?
1: I'm gonna say, like, I might miss one match. I I, I think I'll okay. g- give myself that that kind of leeway.
0: Okay. I will give you this. Is this the am I on the right one? Yeah, Fall Brawl 98 War games. Lee, there are 9 matches on this program. Oh shit. <laughs> the confidence is already draining away.
1: Okay, so War
0: Games. Yes, we don't need Now. To. You uh, you don't want to do what, do what do you want me to name the participants? I'll tell you what, I'll give you the point for saying War Games, even though, like, that's generous because it's called Fall Brawl War Games, but I won't dock you if you get it wrong. Okay, okay, Give me a guess at the three teams. Okay, so Warrior, Piper, DDP. Yes. (coughs) Hogan, Hart, and Stevie Ray. Yep. And Nash, Sting, and Luger. Yes. Good man. So, you one down, eight to go. Then we have Hall, Conan yes we
1: have Steiner versus Steiner yes we have I'm assuming Jericho has a match um
0: yes so I'm gonna say Jericho-Rat uh it's not do you you want to take another swing Mm. or will I just tell you what the Chris Jericho match is Is it Jericho Malenko? All I will say is, think about the feud he's in. Is he in a feud? (laughs) Well, the feud he has started by himself. Okay. So Goldberg. Oh, is it like Buddy D. Parker? It's it's Chris Jericho versus, air quotes, Goldberg. Okay. (laughs) Oh, that happens on the pay-per-view. Oh, okay. Yes.
1: (laughs) I didn't know that yeah I thought they did that on the Nitro oh I, I was expecting that to be on the, for the next nights of Nitro alright okay
0: Um, what else who's the Cruiserweight champion the Cruiserweight champion is Hoovy so I'm just to c- recap you've got War Games you've got Conan Hall you've got Jericho Goldberg and you've got the Steiner Derby
1: like Hoovy is obviously going to have a title defense so do we do confirm we get, that he does do we get a rematch with Silver King Correct. Oh okay. Um tag champs. Do we have tag champs? I don't think we do.
0: Tag champs are a thing that exists, but they are not defended on this this program.
1: Okay. Uh, The giant, does he have a match? Uh,
0: I do not see the giant here. Which is a fucking disgrace. At this
1: stage, I don't know. Like, what what else is there that they can do? Okay. Do, do you concede? I, oh, sorry, I forgot the triple threat match. Raven, Canyon, Saturn.
0: Close but no cigar, Lee. Is it a handicap match? I know, soldier. When you mentioned three way earlier on, because I didn't want to to uh, bury the lead too much. But it's just Saturn versus Raven. Is it? With Canyon and Lodi. Okay. So it's a Ravens rules match, so you know it is. For all intents purposes, it's, a handicap match. On paper, it's one on one, but you know we shall see when we get to Fall Brawl. Okay. Um. Then we have. Uh, let me see. Uh, one you're not gonna get, I don't think, is Davy Boy Smith and Jim Neidhart versus the Dancing Fools. Oh, good Lord. What? <laughs> <laughs> and I will say. It's the third or four it's the fourth longest match on the show. That one. So we can look forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not very long, but it's yeah, it's like the fourth longest. Um we have Dean Malenko Kurt Hennig. Again. Yeah. Why not why not just do the cage at fuck uh, you know what, I'm not getting into it. This show like hyped you up and then just reading out the card is just I'm fucking sick. I'm not it. doing it. Fuck. <laughs> he quit. And then finally, Lee, I'm going to give you a chance at this one. This was a a really hot match where they did the angle on this show. For the final match. They
1: did... They did the angle on this show. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. I'm just saying, if I was in Winston-Salem in September 1998, this was getting me in the door.
1: Well, it's not Mongo.
0: <laughs> I, don't,
1: I don't know who.
0: It's Ernest Miller, Norman Smiley, of oh, course. Oh, my God,
1: there you... F- <laughs> <laughs> why is that on paper, you? Why?
0: <laughs> why We're going to find out, Why is friend? that on paper... This pay-per-view sounds so fucking bad. And you know what? Your instincts are not wrong. But uh, we shall talk about that Uh, on the next show, my friend. (laughs) We started off this show so fired up. I was so happy to watch this show. I was really looking forward to the pay-per-view. Yeah. Anyway, for myself and Lee, that's another episode of Days of Thunder. Bastard. As we alluded to, we're we're going to be back in two weeks talking war games. We'll see you then. Thanks, everyone, for downloading another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder is produced by Lee Malone and edited by myself, Dave Ryan, and available every second Thursday night wherever good podcasts are sold. You can follow Days of Thunder on Twitter or Instagram, where we love to hear from our listeners about all things wrestling and beer. We're at WCW ThunderPod on both platforms. I'm at the Day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore seven one three. This has been a production of the PWOM Podcast Network. Subscribe there for a veritable feast of podcasting content from wrestling of the past like the world cast through the years in the International House of Combat to Wrestling of the Present with Boom Goes the Dynamite and Strong Style Story and something a little bit different with Gideon Guys, Yours, Mine and the Truth, and Busting Balls. Subscribe now, you won't be disappointed. Thanks. I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart.